Blog Talk Radio. Okay, um, the music isn't playing right now. We're having a little technical difficulty, so let's try this again. Now for a few housekeeping rules. All calls must be limited to no more than three to five minutes to ensure all callers have an opportunity to participate in the discussion. Also, to ensure the focus remains on the discussion topic, the caller will be reminded of the discussion topic. However, if the caller insists on changing the topic, the call will be disconnected. No vulgar language will be permitted. If used, the caller will be warned, but if continued, the call will be disconnected immediately. As some topics may be of a mature nature, parental discretion is advised. Well, good evening, everyone. This is Clarissa with Let's Just Talk Radio program or radio show. And I apologize for the intro music. It just got cut off for some reason. Nonetheless, I am here, and I appreciate you all tuning in tonight uh, for tonight's show. And tonight's show is Women Veterans Need a Voice, Part 1. And really, I probably should have called it Women Veterans Need a Voice intro because this is going to be there, – there will be several exposés about women veterans and and how we need a voice and how we need to be able to talk about our experiences on active duty, after active duty, and and how those experiences have impacted our lives. One of the things that I want to do before I actually get started with the show is, of course, do my weekly shout-outs. And... This week's weekly shout-out will go to the following awesome, beautiful, fantastic, gorgeous, and talented women. And those are my sisters in arms, the graduates of VWISE, Veterans Women Igniting the Spirit of Entrepreneurship. I was blessed to have been awarded a scholarship to attend this wonderful, awesome conference this past weekend in San Antonio at the West Riverwalk, and it was absolutely beautiful outside. It was hot as Hades, but it was so beautiful outside. And and San Antonio is a gorgeous place. The women, the other women veterans, along with military family members who were there, who were either caregivers or they lost a, a spouse, a female veteran, to to war. And so I was honored to be amongst such honorable women. I was just amazed. And and there were husbands who were there. You know, these men, their spouses were gone or they were unable to participate. So they came to participate on their wives' behalf. And so our stories are strong that 
our, being a veteran is is such an honor. However, it also, especially for women, it, it, it's a tough, tough job to have. Not everyone has the courage or the fortitude to be in the military. And, of course, you know, we volunteered. However, there are some things that we did not volunteer for, and, and that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. I, I only have 30 minutes, but I want to talk about this. So being a woman veteran, as I said before, it, it's difficult, especially if you are a woman veteran who has suffered some type of trauma while on active duty. Many of us have not had the opportunity to share our stories because we have not truly dealt with the trauma and the issues that were caused. I'm hoping to enlist some of my fellow women veterans to courageously begin telling their stories. And that's why I said I I should have titled this show, Women Veterans Need a Voice intro because there's going to be more stories to come. There's going to be more shows to produce because this is something that is very critical. This is a conversation we need to start having. And tonight, to begin telling our story, I will share my traumatic active duty stories. Well, one of those anyway, in hopes that it will help another woman veteran feel comfortable enough to share her story as well. Again, I, I, I'm sure, you know, this 30-minute segment is, is not going to be enough time, but this is just the beginning, again, just the beginning of many shows to come. So I'm going to just dive right in and, and talk about my one of my experiences while I was on active duty. I was stationed in, well, let me back up. I joined the Navy in 1984 and went on active duty in April 1995. And one of my duty stations was Charleston, South Carolina. I was assigned to the USS Alamogordo. And I was an electrician's mate. And in our department, we had a petty officer who was an IC man, who was basically a telephone person named Troy Best. It's taken me years to be able to say his name out loud. And it's just been difficult. But today I'm saying his name. His name, I don't know where he is or anything, but his name was Troy Best. And he and his wife stalked me for a year. And the backstory to this is Troy, or Petty Officer Best and I, were assigned to the same department, and he would hit on me. Now, at the time, his wife was babysitting for me, was babysitting my three kids. And he kept hitting on me, and one day he touched me, and and I had to let him know that, one, It was totally inappropriate because he was married. Two, not only was he married, but his wife was babysitting my children for me. And three, I wasn't interested in him. 
not only because he was married, but one, he wasn't my type. He was far from my type. And so because of the uncomfortable situation I was in with him at my job, I decided to remove my children from his home because, one, I did not want anything to happen to my children, and, two, it was a very uncomfortable situation for me. So I removed my children from his wife's care, and soon after that, he began to stalk me off base, well, off the ship, and his wife started harassing me and stalking me because he was telling her that, I was in love with him and wouldn't leave him alone on the ship. I tried to explain to her that that wasn't the case, but hey, you know how that goes. If he's telling her that about me, she's going to believe him before she believes the truth. So for about a year, she was calling me at all hours of the day. She and one of her friends even showed up at my house. I lived on base, and they... Best and his wife lived off base, and she would come onto base to my house at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning knocking on my door. I had to call the base police who would come to my house. They took reports. One night she was calling my house. I called the police, and one of the officers, base policemen, picked up the phone and actually listened to her threaten my life. Did they do anything? No. And what did the base police tell me? Well, she has to hurt you before we can do anything to you, do anything for you. So in the meantime, I was documenting all these things that were going on. Best was harassing me on the ship. I was documenting that. I reported him to our XO as well as our commander, commanding officer, our CO. I was told by them, there's nothing we can do. He hasn't put his hands on you yet. I'm, and I asked, so are you telling me that Petty Officer Best has to hurt me before you all will help me? And their answer was a resounding yes. So I was not protected, but I documented Everything, date, time, phone calls, what was said, when he, when best touched me, when his wife and her friends would show up at my house, I documented everything in my little green book. Then one day, it was a nice September day, I drove off base with my three children in the car. I was going to get some shrimp to make shrimp scampi. And my kids were having a great time, so I just pulled up to this truck that sold the shrimp, and I purchased the shrimp. I was walking back to my car, got in my seat, put up, put, was putting on my seatbelt. I turned my head to the right to buckle in my seatbelt, and when I sat up, all I felt was pressure on the left side of my head. My kids started to scream. I didn't know what was going on. All I know is my head felt really heavy, and my son was screaming, don't hurt my mommy, don't hurt my mommy. The next thing I know, I look around I, to my left, and I get hit on the right side of my head. Again, 
all I could see was two was Bess and his wife standing outside my car, and she was swinging a sock filled with quarters at my head while my babies were in the car screaming and crying. And my son started screaming, Mommy, you're bleeding. I didn't know I was bleeding. All I knew that what all I knew was I had to get out of that car. Because if I didn't get out of that car, they were going to kill me. And I didn't know what would happen to my children. And so I, I had to find my way out, which I did. And if it had not been, I'm just fast-forwarding because I can't really go into more details about what happened, but I had to literally fight them off. The really sad part about it was not only did they attack me in front of my children, but they had driven their car right in front of my car to block me from leaving, and their two children were in the backseat of their car screaming. So these two monsters who had stalked me, harassed me for almost a year were, and brutally attacked me in front of my children didn't even care that their children were witnessing such violence. And they waited until I got off of base. So that told me that they had been following me every single day until they got an opportunity to where they could attack me. Now, when I was out of the car, two of my dear friends ran up and they, they grabbed me and they were screaming and telling me that I was bleeding out over, over the place. And I looked down at my white T-shirt. I, I remember I had on my favorite T-shirt, which was a Jetson T-shirt, and it was soaked in blood. And so I called him my baby brother. His name was Mark Brown. And then Robert, one of the guys named Robert that was on the ship, was was there as well, and they both – got to me, and they called the ambulance, and the ambulance took me to the, the civilian hospital. The next day, I get back on the ship. I had stitches on the right side of my face, uh, eye and then on the left side of my eye. My face was swollen. I go to my company commander in the XO, and I walk in their birthing or in their stateroom, and I told them, I said, you see, I told you this would happen. I told you that they would attack me. And guess what they told me? I was told that there was nothing, absolutely nothing they could do for me because I was attacked off military command, off of military property. So I had to take my complaint to a civilian authority. Yes, that's correct. My XO and my CO told me there was nothing they could do to help me again, even after I was attacked. Now, remember earlier in this story, I told you that they told me that they couldn't do anything for me until he attacked me. So, okay, he was successful. He and his wife were successful at attacking me. And then I go back to my commanding officers, and they tell me that there's nothing that they could, they could do because I was attacked off military 
property and that I needed to take it to the uh, civilian authorities, which I did. I go to the civilian authorities, and guess what they tell me? There's nothing they can do because I was active duty military, and therefore the military needed to handle, handle it. So there was no one there to help me before the attack or after the attack. And to make things, to make matters worse, I go down to the galley and he attacks me, Beth attacks me there as well. And slams my head into the, to, to the bulkhead on the wall. Because he was harassing me and I told him to leave me alone and to stop talking, talking to me. And he just grabbed my face with his hand and slammed my head into the wall. And what did the company commanders do? Absolutely nothing. But when I pulled a butter knife out of the off of the the rack in the in the galley and tried to use it to cut his throat, then I get sent I was sent to captain's mass. When I stood there, I was I was amazed because here this guy attacked me twice, harassed me for a year. Uh, harassed me again in the galley after the attack, attacks me in the galley, I take the butter knife, try to defend myself, and I was the one that was sent to Captain's Man. However, I, I did not get charged. All the charges were dropped. And during this time I had, during my, my stay on the, my duty on the USS Alamogordo, I had injured my back as well, and that was the, that was their opportunity to get rid of me. Instead of dealing with this violent criminal, this animal, they forced me out of the military. Yes, I got my honorable discharge and, and so forth, but that was my career. And that was when I was honorably discharged from the Navy. That was in February of 1990. And the, the most difficult part for me was my three children were traumatized by it. I, yes, I was traumatized by it as well. But my my three children, they were there. They saw all of this. And Everything that happened to me was preventable. Everything that happened was preventable. And and now fast forward to today, in the VA medical system, they still have a long way to go to to help treat women like me, to to help us heal from traumatic events while we were on active duty. The, the systems, we need to develop some systems where women veterans can go to and be around other women veterans. Because, honestly, I've, I've for years I've, I've gone to the VA to get help, and their solution thus far has been pills, which I don't take because they're, they're bad for me. And they... There aren't any all women veteran counseling 
groups or or such. And so we are going to have to get together, rally together, and develop our systems. However, our voices have we have a right for our voices to be heard. We have a right to to quality health care. And and I'm talking mental health care. We're more than the results or or the effects of a of, of a pill. You know, we're constantly having medications thrown at us to deal with the anxiety and the depression and and so forth. However, the 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 main or the core problem is we're not being given the opportunity to be heard and to, to heal and to have a place where we can go and feel safe. I mean, there there's so many stories like mine. There are a lot there are so many stories. I mean, my story is 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 terrible. It really is, but some of the stories that I've heard are even more horrific. You know, some have taken their lives because they haven't gotten the help that they needed. They didn't have the support. They didn't have they, they didn't have anyone who believed them. And believe me, it was tough for me. It was so tough. And I I can honestly tell you that my saving grace were my children because I went into a deep, deep depression. But if it was not for my three children, because I had to live for them, they were my purpose for living. If I didn't have children, I don't know if I would be here today, and I'm just being honest. But I had to live because I didn't want anyone else taking care of my children. They were my responsibilities. They depended on me. And now here I am, you know, 54 almost, empty nester, and I'm having to deal with what has happened to me. And it has been a long journey. However, I am so happy that I am finally able to talk about it because I don't want another woman veteran to feel that she's alone and that she cannot or she doesn't have someone who will listen to her. Our our voices need to be heard. Our stories need to be told. And there are a group of wonderful veteran women out there who are willing to step up and do those things, do what it takes so that our stories can be heard and our stories can be told in a way that allows us to heal. Again, it took me decades to say Troy Best. He he was an IC5, Petty Officer, second class, stationed on the USS Alamogordo. I was there until February February of 89, and our division chief was Chief what is it, Almodovar. And I went to Chief Almodovar as well, and he told me the same thing. We, I can't do anything because he hasn't touched you yet. 
well, he had touched me physically, and I told him not to, and I reported him to Chief, to Chief Al Motorwell, but I was told that, oh, that wasn't nothing. Luckily, the system today is a little more, has corrected itself just a little bit. There's still a lot of work to be done. And I pray and I hope that there is a sister in arms out there who is listening and who can hear me. And I want to tell her that you're not alone, that I'm here. There are so many of us who are here. Please reach out to somebody and and just ask for help. Do not you do not have to do this alone. You know, uh, people think that we're moody and, and that we're mean or that we're we're standoffish and so forth. You know, it, it's amazing when people judge us. Let me just talk about me. When people judge me thinking that that I'm moody and, 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 and that I'm mean or, or whatnot, I, I am not any of those things. I just have to have my time alone because I'm still dealing with trauma. Respect that because I'm not out there in front of the world doesn't mean that I don't love or care about you, that I, I don't think about you. I just, for me, I have to have my alone time. This is my healing time. And for those of you who have women veterans in your family or in your life, and they are going through some things, reach out to them and ask them if they want to talk. If they don't, respect that as well, because it takes us some time to trust again. It takes us time to open up to people. It's going to take some time. So be kind enough to be patient enough. Everyone has whatever it is they go through, but I'm going to tell you, as a female veteran, our lives were really, really tough. We put up with a lot of crap while we while we were on active duty, and we put up with a lot of crap after we left the military. And we're still putting up with crap. That's why it's important it's very important for me to talk about these. And, again, this is one of the two traumas that I suffered while on active duty. The other one was sex, sexual trauma, which I'm, I'm, I'm really not ready to talk about right now. So I hope to get stronger so I can share that story as well. And, and again, for my sisters in arms, in arms, who have suffered while on active duty, we will stand together and we will make our voices be heard. Please, please contact me at letsjusttalkradio at gmail.com if you want to join me and share your story too. And for all of you wonderful people out there listening and supporting me, thank you. I love you. Wishing you mega blessings. Until And thank you for joining me in another opportunity to just talk. I'm looking forward to you joining me again next week. And, again, 
if there are any sisters and sisters in arms out there who want to be on this show, please contact me. The email address is let's just talk radio at gmail.com and we will talk about getting your story on this show so that we can all help each other heal and get our voices out there. We are strong, but we are also vulnerable. We It's okay to be vulnerable. It's a difficult road that we've traveled. I We all know that. We've all traveled different roads, but we've come to the same point in the road. And we finally met, and now it's time for us to do this thing together. So I appreciate you all again. Thank you.